and fans, welcome to the Global Revolution. As always, we are the coolest guys around because we're here to bring you all the wrestling which may be found under your radar. This week, got another two-for-one special, two promotions for the price of one, and that price is free, and that is because we love you so much. Those two promotions are WXW, take another look at really what has become the premier promotion that we're covering on this uh, show, kind of by default, but also because we love them so much, and uh, with Lucha Underground possibly never coming back and Chikara releasing shows at a snail's pace, uh, it's a lot of WXW, but that makes me happy. hope it makes you happy. I hope people are checking it out, because it really is a great promotion. Got another show for you today, Road to 16 Karat Gold, uh, another one of these Road 2 shows. going to be a lot of good segments, a lot of good matches, Getting all geared up for the biggest, well, one of the biggest wrestling tournaments of the year, 16 Garrett Gold Tournament itself. We also uh, got some cherry-picked matches coming out of all Japan, some hype stuff, some exciting stuff, and a match featuring one of my personal favorites. So I'm looking forward to that as well. We're going to bring it all to you, and I do, of course, say we, because I could not, would not, should not do this by myself. I'm joined by a lovely, a wonderful man. He is my friend, and he should be yours. He is called Jeff. Jeff, say hello. Hello, everybody out there in podcast and internet land. Jeff here, Ms. Fan there. Uh, we've got ourselves, as Ms. Fan mentioned, some WXW, WXW, a uh, road to 16 karat gold out of Bielefeld, which was a uh, very fun show filled with a lot of good things that we talked about. And as he mentioned, some cherry pick matches from a promotion we don't really watch a whole lot of, All Japan Pro Wrestling, some AJPW uh, featuring uh, people like Shuji Ishikawa and uh, Kento Miyahara. And we're going to get into all of those details uh, when we get there. A pretty uh, pretty stacked uh, episode of the Global Revolution this week. Maybe we should start calling it the uh, West Side Extreme Revolution. I don't know, because we're doing WXW almost every week, and I have no complaints about that, especially with this uh, Road 2 show that delivered uh, some really quite good wrestling, some really quite good segments, as they always do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we got another uh, show lined up for you, and some more WXW talk lined up for you, as Ms. Fan said. Hopefully, everybody at home is listening, checking them out, and uh, enjoying what we do, and uh, enjoying some WXW as well. Indeed, I am very excited to jump into these, so let's just do it. Let's talk about some WXW. First and foremost, we've got, uh, as we said, Road to 16 Carat. Uh, what's the town called? I don't want to... Bielefeld. Bielefeld, yes. Hopefully that's correct. Sorry to any... Bielefeld, Bielefeld. Uh, it, it felt like uh, Jeremy Graves pronounced it like two different ways throughout the show sometimes, so... <laughs> Like, if uh, I'm making a mistake, it's his fault. I'm going to blame Jeremy Graves for this. Yeah, Love him like, as a commentator, but he might have been uh, screwing up just like we were. So it's fine. It's very fine. possible. It's like uh, Norfolk or wherever it is that everybody always pronounces wrong in, in America. Something like that. Greenwich or Greenwich, however you pronounce it. <laughs> Bangor, Maine is another one of those that has like six pronunciations. There you go. But uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's very good. All right. We jump right into 16 Carat. Uh, with Bobby Guns, number one uh, contender himself, coming out to the ring with his brother, Vinny Vortex. You come out, and they're going to do a segment that we we haven't seen in quite a long time that I can think of. Uh, and that's the Smoking Break, which is his little kind of mini Piper's Pit talk show sort of thing that he does. Um, I guess he's just interviewing himself, basically. Um, I don't know if he... Would which is really, fine. Which, which is, is fine. fine. Which is no problem. Uh, he, he thinks he's going to win 16 carats. Um, and I got to say, this is just my first thought here. I really, really hope this is not all a lead up to Vinny Vortex turning on Bobby Guns at uh, 16 carat. That 
that would not really be my favorite thing to see. Um, but I don't know. He's hanging around a lot. And I don't know. I feel like they have a tendency to... Uh, I feel like it might be in line with their booking. So I'm just going to say right now, I don't really want to see that. I'm not saying I couldn't be convinced. But uh, I don't know. So close off the Nick Hine thing and some other stuff they've done. I just... Uh, it's not what I want to see. So that... That's my initial thought here. Mm-hmm. I uh, I sincerely hope I, that never really crossed my mind. I kind of just assumed uh, Vinny Vortex, uh, Vinny Guns? I don't know. But um, <laughs> uh, Bobby Guns' brother was just kind of there as a sort of like spiritual and emotional guide, making sure he's staying on the right path towards becoming a WXW Unified World Wrestling Champion. So that's not really something I thought of, but now that you mention it, I could... I don't want to see it happen, and I don't think it's going to happen, but I could see it happening, especially with the way Bobby Guns has been picking up victories since uh, defeating Shigehiro Irie for the last time. He uh, he won in uh, a dead end to get himself that title shot, and if I do recall correctly, um, I think he pinned uh, uh, Absolute Andy in that match to earn that shot, so maybe tapped out. Either way, he got a really big victory. Uh, and then as we're going to talk about on this show, he ends up picking up the victory in an upcoming match. And that's, you know, when it comes to wrestling, a lot of the times, just just historically, someone is picking up a lot of momentum going into a pay-per-view. It doesn't always pan out for them, um, which is, you, you know, there's just that kind of track record. WXW does seem to have a little bit of a track record of their own of doing some uh, interesting turns and kind of shocking moments whether they're face-wise, heel-wise, you know, they try to do big things, do big shocking things. So Vinny Vortex turning on Bobby Guns would not necessarily surprise me, but I don't think it's the direction they're going in, and I sincerely hope that it isn't because, I don't know, this this is a big moment. I think for Bobby Guns, this would absolutely solidify him as an upper echelon star if he hasn't already been established as that in WXW. So I'm, I'm very much leaning against a uh, sort of anything that would, uh, in regards to Vinny Vortex, uh, that would cost Bobby Guns the title. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. I'm going to have to agree. Uh, the segment continues. Uh, JFK comes out to uh, point out that Vinny Vortex barely wrestles anymore, and Bobby Guns has never been more than the shotgun champion. Uh, he's never been at the top level, whereas they are the winners of the World Tag League, and they're an honored tag team. They're very important to the promotion. Bobby Guns says, well, Vinny Vortex, he may wrestle once a year, but so does The Undertaker. So, uh, Which was a great line, by yeah. the way. Just, yeah. just incredible. Uh, he points out that they also lost the tag team titles. Um, he mentions Hamburg for some reason, so Vibe Mueller comes out because he heard the word Hamburg, and that I, that's exactly appears. the thought I had after this. Was <laughs> you just have to say the word Hamburg? Vibe Mueller's like, "What was that? Is that is it my turn to talk? Okay, I'm coming out now." It's like, it why? Sure oh man. Yeah. Well, he's there anyway. Uh, Bobby Gens says he respects Vibe Mueller, and he'll think about giving him a title match after he beats Andy, uh, maybe in Hamburg himself. Andy comes out. And uh, he compares himself to fine wine. He says uh, all of these people need to be a little more mature, like him. Uh, he says the people are really only there to see him. He, he says the Bobby Guns chant is Shisa, um, which uh, that was funny because it's not. They're making a lot of this chant, and I know why they're doing it. It's because of that one match where people chanted it like super 
super intensely. 14 minutes straight, apparently. Yes, well, dueling back and forth, um, Mm, if I recall. But uh, I thought it was... I didn't think it was a bad point by Andy that the chant itself is really not much. It's just, you know, his name. But it's all right. Uh, Andy tries to start a chant of his own, but it is long and uh, verbose, and it doesn't catch on amazingly, um, which was a lot of fun. Here's I think it was something like, I... Absolute is the greatest, and <laughs> is the WXW Unified World Wrestling Championship, Andy. And it's just like, the only people in the audience who cared about this were JFK, everyone else booed, and Andy was very upset about this. And thought he needed to give it one more shot so that everybody could understand him and then did it again. And it was wonderful. I love Andy. <laughs> Andy's great. Andy's my favorite promo in wrestling right now. Um, absolutely. German or English, I don't care. And God bless, again, I'll say, every promotion in the world should do this. Uh, the English subtitles are just great and they make a world I like of how difference. He, so. I like how he apparently referred to everything as dilly daddling. Dilly dallying. <laughs> Like stop dilly dallying. Let's get to let's get to the point here. Yep. Uh, I don't so know fun. what the word is, or if someone just decided to translate it that way, but it was really great. And uh-huh. here's what I didn't. Most of this was really good. Here's what I didn't like so much. After this, after Andy fails to make his own chant, Bobby Guns starts a chant for himself, and I'm sorry, that is just the least cool thing that you can do. I think. Um, I just, I'm really feeling, and I love Bobby Guns. You know I do, but I just feel mm-hmm. he's not as cool as he used to be. I thought at times in the segment, the fans were kind of more into Vite, like they chanted for him too, kind of like while Guns was trying to do his own chant. Um, and, I, you know, fans could be fickle and all this stuff, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a little unhappy with the way they presented Bobby Guns with this face turn. You know, it's nice to say, oh, he's still got some edge to him. He's still kind of the same character, but I don't know. I think he's, if this were the Bobby Guns who had run up to that Ilya match, I don't think people would have reacted so strongly. That's just my feeling. Here's my uh, here's my problem, especially with this promo in particular. For one, trying to get people to start a chant for yourself is always bad. Yes. Jeff Hardy when Jeff Hardy did bad. it for like, it's 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 not good. It doesn't make you look cool. It makes you look pandering. It makes you look pleading. It makes you look like you're trying way too hard to get people into you, which is never great. And here I thought, especially you know, we turned around and gave. Uh, Veit Muller, essentially, a uh, title match when he beats Andy, mm-hmm. um, which does not feel like something uh, Bobby Guns would have ever in a million years done. Yeah. Like, yeah. If he had been not necessarily super dismissive of Veit, but been like, you know, ah, oh, you had a good match in uh, Hamburg. Um, maybe when I beat Andy, maybe you'll be somewhere in line for a title shot, but uh, don't get your uh, uh, hopes up, kid, or something like that. Something along those lines that actually made him look cool, made him um, present himself as, like, you know, still above everybody. It's sort of the problem that I've enjoyed his face turn. I've enjoyed the idea that he's embraced uh, the audience chanting for him and getting behind him. The problem is now he's just sort of become a pandering babyface who sticks way too closely to trying to get the fans to love him instead of being the kind of hateable slash lovable rogue he was before. Because that was really what his character was, was a hateable kind of scoundrel, but a little bit of a kind of handsome, dashing, cool rogue sort of dude who was, you know, doing things his own way. And, you know, was calling, you know, people bitches and gentlemen and everything like that. He had an actual edge to him. And while I think, for the most part, he's managed to keep that edge a lot of the time, 
Um, this promo was not that at all. Um, like I said, it came off very pandering, came off very just just not Bobby Guns. It came off as some other character that Bobby Guns was trying to portray as opposed to portraying Bobby Guns. And it wasn't super spectacular for him. I felt uh, people were way more interested in Vite Muller and Absolute Andy at various times throughout this segment. Um, so wasn't great. Still love Bobby Guns. Still want him to become WXW Unified World Wrestling Championship er, champion. Maybe that can sort of lead into not necessarily a heel turn, but maybe getting back some of that edge as he tries to do what he can to keep the championship, perhaps. But uh, this promo, while had a lot of good moving parts, I thought in it um, was not Bobby Guns' uh, best outing. And I don't know if that's on him, on the script, whatever it was. I just didn't didn't think it came off. Uh, as well as it could have. Agreed. Um, it's not the first time we talked about this either, so I don't know. I'm just worried we're going down a bad road here. You know, Guns, um, at his core, he was a jerk, and he was just a really unapologetic jerk, and he really owned who he was, and that's what attracted people to him, and that's what worked. So, yeah, it's always hard to transition that kind of character effectively to a face, but uh, I don't know. feels a little off the mark right now, so I guess we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All right, we move into the show itself. The first match... Uh, just to uh, quickly sort of end that segment, uh, they all end up brawling, of course. Um, Andy is on the outside talking about how he's like a main event guy. He's a main event player. He shouldn't be out here doing this stuff. He shouldn't be having these things happen to him. Uh, Andy does something that I thought was... Or not Andy. Uh, Bobby Guns does something that was actually cool, in my opinion, where he proceeds to make a match. He's like, oh, you're the main event. You're a main event dude. All right, then I've got a main event for you. It's going to be me, Vinny, and Vite versus you three clowns, JFK and Absolute Andy in the main event. How about that? He's like, all right. I don't know how you have that power, but that's cool to me. Made a match. <laughs> he made a cool match. Made a match people wanted to see. You know, that works for me. Like, that part of the segment worked. A lot of the other stuff Bobby Guns was doing and saying, not so much. Hmm. I mean, the reason I didn't mention it is because it, uh, it's very generic. You know, it's all they need is Teddy Long to come out and say, oh, you're going to be in a tag team match play. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, look, an equal number of faces and heels came out in the opening <laughs> segment. I wonder what the main event will be, you know. So it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's like, it's so obvious I didn't even remember to mention it. So, yes, that did happen and it was fine. So, uh, now moving into the event itself, uh, we got our first match, which is Jern Simmons versus Avalanche in their uh, eternal feud. Um, this is the no countout match officially, since they both got it counted out last time. Uh, they brawl around the ring, and then in a move I should have seen coming, they uh, brawled right out the door into the parking lot, and oh man, what's happened? Is the match over? We don't know. And uh, if you guessed it, good for you. The match continues all through the night. It, it continues, like, through another match. Like, they come back and fight in the ring while another match is happening. And then they fight out again. They're fighting backstage. They're fighting in the parking lot. Yurin Simmons drives away from the arena at one point. He comes back, like, after the credits have rolled. And finally, I guess, uh, the match doesn't even end, which bothered me a little bit. It doesn't really end. They just come back, and they brawl, like, backstage again. Then Yurin knocks down Avalanche and sort of, like, counts his own pinfall and just leaves. So... I really thought we'd get an actual winner out of all this, but I like the whole, like, the match went on all night thing, so that worked for me. I just wish there had been, like, a real ending to it, you know? 
Uh, thankfully, there should uh, there should be an actual inning, actual ending, at uh, 16 carats, since I do believe they have a first round uh, false count anywhere match between Yearn Simmons and Avalanche lined up, which is absolutely fine in my book. This was a lot of fun for me. I enjoyed yeah. all the various little segments, and this feels like something they probably should have done like to begin with with this feud, mm. like. I appreciated this. This was a lot of fun. I thought they were going hard on each other in the ring. And then when they, you know, escaped the arena, basically, there was a lot of confusion as to whether the match was going on or not or what was happening. As you said, they uh, brawled through another match that was happening later in the show. They brawled back through the ring during intermission. Jeremy Graves on commentary was constantly baffled by what was going on. <laughs> and... Um, I like Jeremy Graves. I want to say that he's a lot of fun. Yeah. I do enjoy. I like, him. I like, I like pretty Rico much Bushido. I like yeah. I like everyone in WXW English commentary. Indeed, they're a lot of a lot of fun. A, third, a lot of different. A ways. third regular guy because I, I know those two. I feel. Like I think there's one. there's like four regular dudes because there's yeah. uh, Jeremy Graves, Rico Bushido. There's Andy Jackson, um, and there's. Alan, I can't remember what his last name is. Coolahan, Coolahan, Coolahan. See, who's the one who like whispers his commentary weirdly? You know what I'm talking about? I don't about? know. I don't think so. Okay, all right. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's one. Oh no! Yeah. Maybe there's a fifth guy too. There's like the guy who used to do like shotguns. I don't think it was Jeremy Graves. It was like another dude. Maybe there's like five English commentators. It's hard to keep track. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I definitely like Jeremy Graves. Definitely like Rico Bushido. I don't know if I can pick the rest of them out, but I'll keep working on it. So. It's good stuff. But, uh, yeah, they brought a whole bunch of times. They eventually get into the parking lot, which was a lot of fun as the fans, like, kind of watched them on. Uh, and as you said, Yaron Simmons just got in his car and drove away, and, and Avalanche was chasing after him. So I didn't actually see the part where they came back after the credits rolled. Oh, which... you must uh, go check. Well, no, actually, it was a little underwhelming, so up to you if you want. Okay. Um... But, like, conceptually, it was a lot of, you know, that's a good idea. In execution, it was a lot of fun. It really felt like, you know, it fit for them. It's kind of, uh, I don't necessarily have it. I guess I probably would need to go back and watch it at some point to kind of gauge how I feel about it, but I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I, or at least I wouldn't have, have a problem with it actually not ending if this wasn't like the f- second or third time something like this has happened in this feud. Right. So, yeah, maybe not tremendous in terms of, uh, that aspect of the execution, but overall, I really enjoyed um, pretty much everything from Avalanche and Yaron Simmons on this episode. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, certainly better than what we've seen before, which we also were not <laughs> wild about. But yeah, I don't know. It, it was a little strange at the end, but yeah. Um, you know, mild points off for the fact that uh, the match didn't like continue all the way to 16 karat gold, and they had to finish that before they started their falls count anywhere match so which would have been amazing actually if they just continuously <laughs> exactly. fought for like the three weeks until uh 16 carat Absolutely. and then finally someone's got to break the record of lance Steele and uh darkness crabtree from chikara when they fought uh you know about this you know what i'm talking about i i it, it feels familiar but i guess i don't know all like the actual details on it what, uh, like a wait. like over a, a two two show weekend um they started their match on the First night, uh, they fought out the door into the parking lot and then returned to the ring the next night, still fighting, having fought all the way to the new town across the fields of Pennsylvania, and they finished their match. The longest match in history, I believe, at one full day. So there you go. Amazing. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Ah, good stuff. All right. Uh, I'm going to mix and match a little 
some of these backstage segments so that they kind of go along with the matches that they are nearby. Um, so yeah, uh, first backstage segment we have, uh, after this, we go back, we see Killer Kelly approaching Tony Storm, uh, Killer Kelly being supposedly nice for a person whose name is Killer, uh, kind of apologizing for, you know, maybe getting out of line a little, maybe rubbing her win in a little too much in Tony's face after she beat her in a, uh, triple threat match that was not for the title. She says, but maybe, maybe slapping me in the face just for that was a little too far. Uh, she talks about how she's uh, rebuilt herself. She wants to challenge Tony for that title, and she's happy to have that match. Tony, however, feels disrespected. She thinks Killer Kelly has disrespected her all this time. She's the only reason Killer Kelly is relevant. Kelly says, oh, I was actually the first champion, and Tony is not impressed. She doesn't care. He only beat Melanie Gray. Anyone could beat Melanie Gray, which, oh, I hope Melanie Gray... I hope Kelly gets Millie Gray's job back. That's all I want to say about that. Yes, indeed. Um, yes, indeed. Here's my thought coming out of this. Tony Storm, uh, let's see if you agree with me, much better, I think, as a heel. Much, much oh, better. Oh, absolutely. Okay, thank 100. you. 100. I came away, I was genuinely mad several times during this <laughs> promo. Like, I genuinely just wanted Kelly to start laying in on, uh, on Tony Storm throughout this. You know, when she said, you know, think about, you know, you only beat Melanie Gray. Who hasn't done that? Everybody's beaten Melanie. And the, uh, you know, you wouldn't be anything without me. I made you Killer Kelly because without me, you'd just be Kelly. It was just like, ooh, I want to see you get your face punched in even more than I usually do, Tony Storm. So, yeah, she was very effective in this role, uh, in this promo here. Really enjoyed, um, really just a different side of Tony Storm. Normally we just kind of see her as a, not necessarily a bland, but kind of a uh, existing sort of baby face, you know, spunky and nothing else really. So getting to see a more aggressive side of her, a more nasty side of Tony Storm gave her an edge that she really didn't have before. So I appreciate that as someone who doesn't usually enjoy uh, Tony Storm matches or Tony Storm anything, uh, really, especially when it comes to involving her specifically. Um, this was good. This was a good turnaround. And I appreciated seeing this from Tony Storm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Strongly agreed. Uh, move along with the night. I'm just going to go straight to the next match here. It is Walter taking on Julian Pace. Uh, as I said before, I'm a fan of Julian Pace. I like his uh, like speed runner 1995 WWF kind of gimmick <laughs> where it's like it's a different job, but it's also I'm a wrestler. Um, Walter... Uh, I, this was a masterclass, I thought, in Walter's part, in how to make a guy who doesn't, you know, I like Pace, but he doesn't really have any credibility, in making a guy look so credible, so fast. Uh, he made Pace's, like, running man spot look better than I've ever seen it. Uh, he made me believe that Julian Pace could actually get a win over him, even though he's, like, one of the biggest stars in the world right now. Um, and Julian Pace, like, he did very well as well, but holy crap, what an incredible talent Walter is that he can not only dish out offense that looks like attempted murder, like everything he does, but also make a guy like Julian Pace look like a a credible threat and at the same time not lose any of his dangerous aura. That, like, it shouldn't even be possible, but Walter did it because he is godlike. Mm -hmm. This was a very fun match, I thought. Not necessarily a a terribly long match, but a very fun one. Julian Pace trying his damnedest to basically run around Walter and 
disorient him and take him down with high-flying moves. Sometimes it worked. He did eventually get off a nice uh, sort of springboard tornado DDT onto Walter that took him down and even hit him with a uh, Yoshi tonic countering uh, one of Walter's power bombs at one uh, point. That, which, was, uh, that code red was really spectacular. Yeah, I bit. I bit on it. Oh, like, yeah, oh my god, absolutely. there's no way. Absolutely. But didn't quite happen because uh, Walter just eventually got to demolishing him, got to chopping him, booting him, lariating him, uh, sleepering him, powerbombing him, and unfortunately, for Julian Pace, tried as hard as he could, um, got some good licks and good shots in on Walter, definitely looked like he had the upper hand several times, but just could not close the book on this day. You know, that was Walter's job. Um, good match. I really enjoy, uh, you know, we have spoken at length about how good we find Walter. Uh, it should not be forgotten, but this was a nice, uh, nice outing for Julian Pace. Uh, definitely looks like he's coming along nicely. Walter did a very good job at, uh, making him look credible, talented, and just overall very good in this match. Wonderful stuff here. Absolutely. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, Walter wins this match with a power bomb which I thought was awesome because it's very credible to beat a guy like Pace using like one of your not normal finishers. And I love when people do that because it makes it just that much more possible that a match could end uh, at any time. So I'm really a big fan of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say a few more Walter centric things on this show. At one point we see a backstage promo between uh, Veit Mueller and David Starr. He said, why did you come out last week? Interrupt my moment. I was this close so, like, getting that respect from Walter from getting into ring comp, David Starr says, it's not personal, but think about how long you have chased this little respect thing. You know, weeks, months, maybe, I have chased Walter for three years now, and it's defined my career. I don't care about you getting into ring comp. I don't care about anything, really, that's going on with you. I have nothing against you. I just want Walter. And I thought that was great. I really liked that Vite addressed it. And uh, I would really like to see a David Starr Vite Mueller match now in the near future, and I think we're going Indeed. to. I'm very happy about that. Yes, that would be a very uh, some very good stuff in general with that sort of potential match in the future. This segment also really really good. I like that Vite Mueller did not sort of take this sort of disrespect from David Starr and lack of respect that he ultimately got from Walter because of it. Lying down, you know, he confronts him like, "Dude, this is my town, this is my city, and this was my moment." Why did you take this from me? And David started a very, uh, I thought, slightly heelish, but definitely a perfectly reasonable response of, mm. I've been chasing this dude for three years. This has is nothing personal against you. Um, I'm not really a big ring conf dude, but this has nothing to do with you. This has nothing to do with you trying to get into ring conf. This has nothing to do with your months-long chase for respect. I've been going after this guy for three years. This is something I had to do. I had to let him know. That you know he was going to be my opponent in the first round. It's it's this is what has, as he said, defined my career in WXW for three years since he first walked into that door. It's what you know, it's what it has been about for him. So sorry, dude. I, I think you're a fine wrestler. I don't really have any concern or interest in what you're doing with Ringkopf, but this was wasn't a personal thing. This is just what. I felt I needed to do, mm-hmm. and is 100% setting up a future Veit Muller 
uh, David Starr match, and that's going to be off the chain. It's going to be some be good great. stuff there. And just in general, I kind of like uh, the uh, emphasis they're putting on Veit Muller. Uh, he's become yep. uh, really popular in a seemingly short amount of time. He's been a very uh, fun worker every time I've seen him. So it, it's really nice that they're kind of building up a new guy, a potential new star for the company. And this is a guy in a fight that I think definitely deserves it. So, yeah, I've been enjoying kind of the uh, spotlight he's been getting over the last uh, few months. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, we talked before about how WXW is just very good at making stars. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's not for nothing. You know, in, in recent times, they've lost uh, Tommy End, used to be very central to this promotion uh, before he went to WWE. Um uh, Axel Dieter Jr., of course, was a central figure as well. Now he's off in uh, WWE for the most part. Also, Walter is Axel now Tischer. associated with WWE. Axel Tischer, who I just recently realized is a different person uh, than Axel Dieter. Um, <laughs> so that's my own ignorance. Um, I don't know. I've, I've heard. I haven't seen for sure, but I've heard credibly that Ilya Dragunov is now associated with WWE. Yes, signed uh, NXT. NXT so. UK. Yeah. So, uh... So, but if it's a similar deal to what, like, Walter's got, it may not necessarily super affect his uh, work in WXW. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Um, I would bet. I don't know. I don't know for sure. Like, I don't doubt that he may be able to work some WXW. But from what I heard, Walter's deal was, like, very specialized. So I'm not going to hold my breath that Ilya will not uh, kind of be departing. But who knows? Tony Storm's been around a lot, too. Um, yes. I mean, that's true. Um, I think, uh, just in general, like the NXT UK guys have been able to do like, there's kind of home promotion stuff. I know progress is something they well, can still specifically do. WWE affiliated promotions, which now for better or worse, WXW is not to the level of progress evolve or ICW, but definitely you could tell the association is there now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, hopefully if that is the case, if they've kind of, uh, that's what they're kind of going with. Hopefully this does not necessarily mean, uh, that Ilya Dragunov will be departing, just that he's going to be involved in some other things. Also announced in that signing were Kaylee Ray and Oliver Carter. Now, we've only seen, I think, once or twice here on a WXW, but yep, who impressed us time yeah, time. So, and, yeah, that's that's actually the one that kind of surprised and most made me smile. I was like, oh, that guy, you know, we saw him literally once. He did a really good job, and then he got a WWE uh, NXT UK contract. That's really cool. Good yep. for you, man. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, a few other things we have to say. David Starr, um, here's how you do, I think, a baby face who still has some of his edge, because David Starr has never really flinched from the fact that he still thinks he's the greatest thing in the world. You know, he still does, like, all the, the stuff in his entrance, you know, everything about him kind of screams that, and yet he is this incredibly effective baby face, and he's not exactly the kind of guy that Bobby Guns was. Um, David Starr was never like, I slept with your wife while you went to the Cruiserweight Classic, you know, or anything. Um, I'm going to ban you from wrestling in your hometown. Right, you know, yeah. Like, oh, man. Bad. I still love all that stuff. Um, but still, yeah, no, super effective for David Starr. And I love I love the way they've uh, refocused on this David Starr-Walter stuff. And the fact he's like, I don't care about Rinkov, even though Rinkov has become like this defining thing for Walter. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like, he, he's so within his own perspective. He's not, like, towing the line to the perspective of, like, the narrative or the promotion. It's, 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 it's so personal to him. And I love how David Starr takes such agency in his storylines, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's really to his credit. Indeed. Just, just phenomenal stuff in general for the storyline and just a really, really good 
great even uh, promo segment here between uh, Star and Vite. Absolutely. And um, and uh, speaking of great segments, they do a video package later on in the show for Star and Walter, and it's really fantastic. David Star cuts what I thought was an incredible promo about what it means to him to beat Walter, about how uh, he's tried so many times in so many different kinds of matches. He's not been successful. He's watched other people figure it out and beat Walter. He just can't do it. It keeps him up at night. He pulls the hair out of his head. He can't sleep sometimes. And, uh, man, it was just absolutely incredible. And I thought beautifully counterpointed with uh, an interview with Walter that aired right afterwards where Walter is just like, I don't care about this. I proved I'm the better man. I did it a bunch of times. Why does David Starr keep running into the same wall over and over again? Like, you know, the implication, like, is he an idiot? Uh, you know, just uh, completely blowing off how much this means to David Starr. Um, I don't know. This this is going to, like, blow up my mind at 16 karat gold. I've been excited to see a match like this since, like, uh, Solo Darling vs. Travis Huckabee, probably. Just, like, a storyline built up beautifully. Walter says, Star is only wrestling for his ego, and this will just be another failure for him. I can't wait for this, man. This is going to be mm, the best thing mm. ever. I just, I, I just, particularly, I just love the difference in sort of attitude and opinion between the two guys here. This defines uh, the career in WXW of David Star And Walter... It defines his whole career as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And Walter, on the other hand, is genuinely like... I don't know why I'm doing this still. I don't get it. I've beaten him a hundred times. I'll beat him a hundred times more. Why do you, like specifically he said, why do you keep running into the same wall? You know what's going to happen. I've beaten you before and I'm just going to do it again. And You're so concerned with yourself. Mm. You are so self-focused. Now, when I come out here, I'm wrestling to put on the best match. I'm wrestling to display the true sportsmanship of professional wrestling. That's what I wrestle for. You're David Starr. You wrestle for yourself. You wrestle to satiate your ego. And that is the difference between you and I. That is why I am where I am and you are where you are. I I love that from Walter. This is – I'm so ready for 16 carats for like 100 different reasons. And Mm -hmm. this is definitely one of them. I'm so hyped. And I really got to point out, even though this is like kind of a little bit heelish by Walter, I would say it's so in line with this character as well. Because I remember it was somebody um, who's the stupid guy, the crown guy, Alexander James, the guy you love so much. Um, (laughs) Not really, but yeah, I remember after Walter had his last loss to Ilya, he like confronted him about it. And Walter was like, so he was like, yeah, no, I beat the guy. I, I met the guy that I can't beat. Like, with the implication, like everybody has this guy. It's great to find this guy. Like your 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 eternal rival that you just can't get a win on. You know, like the the Misawa to your Kawada or whatever you want to call it. Just just mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like that's the way it is. Like Walter would never imagine approaching wrestling this way, where you like stay up late and pull your hair because you have to beat this one particular guy. It's like we, you know, everyone is competing. And if you lose the competition, you know, it's it just you know you'll you'll try to make yourself better. But you're not going to – it's like it's like left-brain, right-brain wrestling or something, you know? Like, mm-hmm. one is so, so like, logical and just, like, everything in its place and everything the right way. And the other one is just, like, passionate and wild and just 
Oh man, I don't know. I just absolutely love this. It's so great. It's it's. I just love when there's that sort of dichotomy between two wrestlers, especially two feuding wrestlers who just have two very drastically different, uh, whether it's worldviews or views on a specific instance or scenario or situation, and being able to sort of watch them play that out is just, it feeds me as a wrestling fan. So this is exactly what this is between Star and Walter, and it's great. Both the uh, the promos and that uh, video package for David Starr, all just so good, so really well done. God, I love WXW. They're so good. They're so good at basically everything. I love them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely so. Uh, we move back on to the rest of the show. Uh, the next match to talk about is Timo Thice taking on Norman Harris. I probably saw Timo Thice in the shortcut to the top rumble. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen Norman Harris. We're told that these two were once uh, a tag team, not anymore. Harris is here to kind of defend the honor of the wrestling academy that they're attached to. Fair enough. Uh, kind of the most interesting thing in this match, this is, this is the one that Garen Simmons and Avalanche fought through. Um, the match itself, it was okay. I didn't really think anything particularly of it. Uh, Norman Harris gets the win with kind of a, a roll-up type pin. Uh, mm-hmm. It was fine. I didn't really think a lot of it. Yeah, Timo Thais, I think, has some nice, uh, interesting character stuff, but he feels like he needs a little bit more seasoning. Um, Harris, body-wise, uh, reminded me a lot of... Oh, I, I, I can't remember what the quite comparison was, but I think he said he looks to me like a uh, the love child of Julian Pace and Axel Dieter Jr., and that was about the only thing I could say about Norman Harris, because um, his wrestling certainly wasn't quite up to uh, that par, um... Yeah, they, they wrestled. It, it it happened. I kind of liked what I saw from Timo Thice. Uh Norman Harris was in this match. Um, and yeah, that's really all I have to say outside of the uh, fun stuff when Avalanche and Yaren uh, Simmons came back through, um, which definitely, in my opinion, overshadowed the match. Uh, yeah, so this existed. It sure did. Um, we uh, Before the next match, we, we have another segment that I thought set it up very well. Maria Salani backstage talks to Leon Van Gasteren, who I think we have not seen before. Uh, we learned that Leon helped train Marius. Marius remembers all the work that he put in, all the advice Leon told him. He said, oh, go lift some iron. Oh, I, I, I did better than that. I went off to the steel. I got this amazing uh, success. I got this great day. Not body, body. day. Yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, I love Leon how he says that. Cautions him. He says, "Well, your bow day won't matter tonight because tonight you have to deal with me." Um, this is this is a lot of fun. Uh, I really like Mario Salani the heel. I think he's very good at it. And uh, yeah, this made me more excited for the match, which is exactly what it was supposed to do. Indeed, Marius is, I think, really good as a face. He was a nice sort of like underdog, fiery yeah, sort of type. So but explosive, a... like yeah, for sure. But as a heel, I think he is pretty much just as good. He's obnoxious, but he still has that dangerous edge to him. I love this double thing that he's got going on. He's the most ripped and you know good-looking wrestler in WXW, and he's the type of guy you should be putting on posters and you know sell- selling at the top of your shows because just look at him as he you know hits diving splashes and run up elbow drops and things like that. I love Marius. He's 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 great. This was a fun segment and it leads into a very I thought interesting match between him and apparently his main trainer in Leon Van Gasteren. The guy yeah, I don't think we've ever actually seen before here in WXW. Yeah, yeah, it was a very good uh, setup 
the match itself. Uh, it really just kind of delivered on exactly what I hoped it would be. It was very much, uh, you know, kind of like the explosive young uh, student who has sort of become a master in and of himself against the guy who taught him everything he knows, but maybe didn't quite teach him everything that he himself knows. Uh, he had a few tricks up his sleeve. Uh, Marius does get the win here, but not without a very tough fight with a lot of uh, anticipation spots and one particularly excellent GTS from Leo Van Gasteren. Mm-hmm. Just, just some just good back-and-forth match for the most part. Uh, Marius Alani, I thought, looked really, just in particular, this was a really good match for him, just to kind of sell himself. He was aggressive at a lot of times in this match. He was looking... You know, his usual hyper-athletic self-hitting dives in the nice, uh, as I mentioned, the sort of step-up elbow drop that he does, which is one of my favorite moves. Um, yeah, Marius, I thought, just looked particularly good in this match. And Leon Van Gasteren, the uh, Flying Dutchman, apparently his nickname. Um, and I think he earned that. He had a nice uh, head scissors in this match. Uh, he took a bit of a beating throughout this match, but also always managed to sort of come back. He had some uh, nifty counters for his student. Overall, this was a very uh, fun time. I like Marius a whole lot. My favorite dudes in WXW and for a guy I had never seen before, uh, Leon Van Gasteren definitely did a uh, a lot for me in this one. This was a this was a good bout between these two, but uh, no surprise as uh, Marius Alani ends up picking up the victory here to retain his shotgun championship. Good stuff. Absolutely so. Uh, let's see. We move on along. Um, during the show, there was like really excellent video package like slash promo for uh, Timothy Thatcher. He talks about he's excited for uh, ambition for kind of the shoot style tournament uh, that they hold over 16 karat weekend. He says he doesn't know where he'd be in wrestling. If not for WXW, if not for Ringkampf, uh, he meant it when he said Ringkampf was his family and he made uh, decisions based on his association with Ringkampf. He changed his career, his life, to, to be with this group, to fit in with them. But now, Ringkampf has made decisions for themselves without really thinking of him. And uh, we get uh, kind of implications of um, Axel Dieter now being in WWE, of Walter now being in WWE. These guys uh, just kind of going off, maybe pursuing a different path than he would have chosen. He says, now, now he's going to make some choices for himself. And uh, if he needs to... It's not something that he's going to look out. He's going to go out and try to, like, find them and beat them up. But if he needs to, if he ends up across the ring from Walter or from Axel at 16 Carat, he will think of them as enemies. He won't think of them as partners uh, or allies. He will just, he will, they will be enemies. He promises this will be the year that he wins 16 Carat. Uh, I thought this was a, an amazing promo from a guy who is not known really as a great promo. Um, but it was so authentic it was really heartfelt it really got across kind of the need that thatcher is feeling to maybe split off some from Rinkoff and not have like a big dramatic turn on them but just to say okay you know we were doing this for a while now you guys are doing something else and you didn't really talk to me about it so now you cannot get mad if i go off and i do my own thing you know so uh i, I thought it was great i thought this was really really great yes this was i thought a phenomenal uh, just general idea and presentation and promo from Timothy Thatcher here. As you said, you know, he came out. He's like, I made decisions for my career, for my lifestyle when it came to Ring Comp. I made decisions for Ring Comp to do this thing for them. 
And then they decided they were going to make decisions for themselves. And immediately after this, it shows like a a montage essentially of a whole bunch of tweets popping up about Walter arriving at NXT UK. Uh, he's like, you guys want to do that? That's fine, but I'm not going to view you as friends at 16 Karat. I'm going to view you as enemies, and I'm going to come out there and beat you. I'm just going to do what Timothy Thatcher does best. Um, I liked sort of the uh, the band quote that he had. I can't mm. remember what the band was, but he was like, I'd rather be... Uh, forgotten than remembered for giving in I think was the line you know I, I I'm doing things for myself and I would rather you know people forget me than remember me as the guy who kind of just went along with what Ringkampf was doing is kind of what it felt like you know if they're gonna do all this stuff you know I'm not gonna get dragged through with it I'm not just gonna kind of sit on my butt and let you know whatever happens happen to me and be remembered as that kind of guy I'm going to make my own path in life. I'm going to make my own path in wrestling. And if it's got to be through the guys I considered family, I don't do that much in wrestling, he said. I don't, do, don't really do that too much. But it's you might have to do exactly that. He might have to go through the guys he considered family. And if that's the case, then that is the case. I thought it was just really poetic, really well done. Um, I love Timothy Thatcher. This made me just love him even more. I've been really uh, compelled by a lot of the stuff between Ring Conf, especially that uh, Timothy Thatcher Walter match we saw at the tail end of last year, the two of them kind of going at it over this very topic. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to Timothy Thatcher. Um, I, I genuinely believe, um, should it happen, we're probably going to get a finals of uh, Star versus Thatcher at 16 karat. I think that's my. Uh, my big prediction for 16 characters is going to come down the end of everything, David Starr and Timothy Thatcher. And when that happens, if that happens, I should say, oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Yep, they've had, uh, even just this year, they had a great match already, actually. That, that awesome <laughs> match built around Starr's uh, shoulder injury, if you remember that. Yes, um, indeed. Yeah, one of my favorites this year so far. So, yeah, I have really no doubt that it would be great. Um I, yeah, I don't know. I meant to say earlier, but yeah, I think this really might be David Starr's year, though. Um, just uh, he was in the finals last year. I don't know. I think uh, it might finally be time for him to beat Walter. It sounds like you think so as well. So I don't know. I, I'm very excited. I, I think because oh, originally, before it became a first round match, I actually thought that this was going to be the finals of 16 Carat, that through the entire weekend is going to be the story of David Starr kind of going through all the other Ringkopf guys, you know, beating maybe Axel Dieter in the second round, beating Timmy in the uh, semifinals, and finally making it to the end to fight Walter one last time. He's beaten everybody else in Ringkopf, but he has absolutely no luck against Walter ever in his career. Will this be the time he does it? And then finally getting that uh, proverbial monkey off his back by beating Walter. That was my original thought. But now that Walter is sort of, you know in the first round against David Starr. Now that kind of changes up things. And with the way they've also been presenting Tim Thatcher over the last, uh, so long where he's just really become, I think just as important and epitomizing, um, WXW the same way guys like Walter Andy, Ilya and Bobby all have sort of over the last, uh, year or so. I think Timothy Thatcher is right up there in that echelon with them alongside David Starr, basically. And I think, uh, 
I think to me that would be the sort of ideal final situation, a rematch of sorts for uh, David Starr and Timothy Thatcher in the finals of 16 carats. So hoping that's the case. If not, hopefully they will have at least a match uh, during the weekend because I would just I would like to see it. So, yeah, that's my official prediction for uh, 16 carat. And for a winner, I do. I think it's I think it's David Starr. I think this is the year David Starr wins 16 carat. He gets all the sort of proverbial monkeys off his back. He beats Walter. He wins 16 carat. And he goes on to face Bobby Guns in uh, in New York during WrestleMania weekend. My, that's mm. that's what I'm thinking. That's what I've sort of plotted out in my mind as a potential happening for the company. And that's that's what I'm sticking with until I see otherwise. Interesting. I could definitely see it happening. I was wondering about that, too, because it almost makes no sense to do David uh, Starr against Absolute Andy, but they have just done that recently. And I, I don't know. I don't know it would be a bigger deal in New York. Uh, I don't know. I could see it. I hope it happens. Uh, I hope speaking it's Starr of, uh, versus somebody in New York, for sure. Speaking of David Starr, just a really quick uh, sidebar. Yeah. Apparently, uh, I don't remember what the show is. It might be one of the WrestleCon shows. But apparently... Uh, they've already set up uh, David Starr versus Susumu Yokusuka during that weekend <laughs> from uh, from Dragon Gate. So you, you know I'm about this match. Oh, boy. It's literally just for you. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. My God. Uh, yeah, continuing on, Timothy Thatcher, we get his match here. He's taking on Ilya Dragunov. And, man, I got to say, I'm glad they, they played that promo. It wasn't even right before this match, but it was uh, earlier in the show. And, man, Thatcher, he was putting his money where his mouth was because he came into this match just – he wrestled with such incredible urgency in this. Like, in the opening seconds, he, like, ripped Ilya to the ground and, like, tried to put him in a, an arm bar that looked like it could damn well finish him off. Like, a lesser man, I think, it would have finished him off in just seconds here. Um, this match uh, – it was between this and the Walter match for my favorite match in the show, and they're really good for different reasons. Um, but, yeah, this was just absolutely awesome. These guys are ridiculously good. Ilya Dragunov is so good. Timothy Thatcher is so good. Um, uh, Ilya chopped David Starr, like, in the head at one point in this match. It was, like, the most brutal thing I ever saw. This was uh, just so Tim good. Tim Thatcher in the head, just to... Quick correction there. Oh, what the hell Top did I say? David Starr. <laughs> oh, man, I just got David Starr in my mind. Yes, of course, David Thatcher. <laughs> so, woof, yeah, no, great stuff in this match. Yeah, this was a – oh, this match was so good. Um, I, I thought it could have been even better, not that it was, like, bad as it was, because this was a phenomenal match. Maybe uh, my, my favorite match on the card, uh, I think, pretty easily, actually. This was so good. Tim – Tim wrestled, as you said, he put his money where his mouth is. We know Tim, know Tim Thatcher to be a fairly aggressive wrestler. And yet this felt even more aggressive than usual mm. against Ilya Dragunov. And Dragunov, for his part, like, matched that intensity, but also he got racked a few times. He just would get chopped, he'd get kicked. I think both guys, uh, probably the best versions of their insecurities that I've ever seen in this match against one another. Um, they were just killing it. They were killing each other. They were killing it in this match. I just adored this one two pieces. Every time Ilya looked like he was going to get some sort of edge on a Tim, Tim would find a counter for that. And every time Tim looked like he was going to have an edge on this match, Ilya fired back with something else. And it was just 
back and forth, back and forth, right up until the end. I think Ilya hit a couple of suplexes, then finally put uh, Tim down with the Torpedo Moscow in what was just my favorite match from this show, and just, just in general, an awesome, bombastic, intense match between two of my favorite wrestlers in the world today. Love this one to bits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely so. Real highlight for the show. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah, between this and the Welter match, um, two, two probably my favorites of the year again, so still kind of early on, but uh, very good stuff. Man, this is a very good show. It's well worth checking out, I think. If you absolutely. haven't seen WXW, but you're thinking of checking out 16 Carat, it's a great way to kind of get caught up on a lot of stuff uh, before you go into it. So mm, Absolutely. Uh, this really just leaves our final match of the night, which was set up in the opening segment. It's Absolute Andy and JFK taking on Bobby Guns, Mike Mueller, and Vinny Vortex. Um, I thought uh, this was a very fun, very good match. Uh, Vinny Vortex looked pretty, pretty, pretty dang good, I thought, for how little he does wrestle now. Um, uh, everyone, yeah, just did a great job. I don't even have necessarily a lot of thoughts about the match. Just very, very strong Six-man tag between a bunch of talented guys to wrap the show off here. Uh-huh. I think the the biggest guy I have to walk away from with having a lot to say about is Vite Muller mm. in this match. I thought looked um, – he followed up his match with Walter, I think, impressively. He did another, like, kind of delayed back suplex on Andy, which looked like it took just as much effort like it did on uh, Walter. Just, just some really good stuff from him uh, there. Um, I thought he was looking, you know, pretty solid throughout this match. Even did a dive at one point. Everybody seemed to have done a dive at one point in this match. Just a lot of fun stuff. Also want to give props to, once again, my man, Jay Skillet, for just taking bumps <laughs> and making everybody look like a star. I really love dudes who do that, and Jay Skillet might be the best guy in WXW at that. He's great when he gets on offense. Francis Caspin, I think... Probably has the higher ceiling overall and is really, really tremendous in his own right. But dudes who get beat up really well, you, you know this about me. I loved Heath Slater. I love um, – God, I cannot believe I have forgotten his name. The awesome uh, – Jesse Goddard. Jesse Goddard. You know oh, I love wow, me yeah. some Jesse Goddard. <laughs> um, Jay Skillet is uh, not quite the exact same wrestler, but he has many of the same uh, talents and skills when it comes to making other people just look amazing and – yeah, so uh, really great match, really fun stuff here between everybody involved. Um, in the end, Bobby Guns does pick up the pinfall victory over Absolute Andy in this match, leading into 16 karat gold, and that's why I have some just slight concerns uh, as we head into 16 karat that uh, the title win is not going to happen because I, I, I just when it comes to wrestling, you know how they like to do it. They like to build up that momentum and then send it all crashing down. Um, so yeah, my hope is Bobby Guns wins at 16 carat. I think it's been a long time coming. I think it would cement him unquestionably as one of WXW's absolute best. Um, and yeah, the match itself should be really spectacular and looking forward to everything happening at a WXW 16 carat gold weekend. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely uh, see see your same thought process there. It's uh, dangerous to be this successful uh, going into an event like that. So, I don't know. Maybe it will uh, backfire on him in the end. But uh, only time will tell. Uh, very good show, as I said. Hope that uh, people are going to check it out. Really do strongly recommend it. 
Indeed, uh, part indeed. two of our show, as I mentioned, is uh, some selected matches from All Japan Pro Wrestling. Didn't cover a whole show on here because, uh, well, uh, we just didn't. Um, so here we are. Uh, six matches picked out. Four of them kind of recommended. Two of them just based on people that I wanted to see. And I got to say, I, I don't know um, about you or if you'll even know necessarily. If You can probably guess the two that I picked um, just based on who's in them. But yeah, I like the matches that I picked for myself more than the matches that were actually recommended, personally. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, I don't know. Uh, mostly I like these pretty well, but yeah, I don't know. It's always tough for me a little with this style, I guess, because um, you get so many long matches, and I, I don't know. I kind of I, I I knew I knew it coming in, so I guess I, I just set myself up for it. But uh, I don't know. We'll see as we go through these matches. Mm-hmm. We will. Uh, cool. So yeah, uh, first uh, match uh, we had a couple from the January second show, the New Year's New Year Wars Day One. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's hard to say. Uh, the match is Koji Iwamoto taking on Yusuke Okada. No, not that Okada. Different Okada fighting for the uh, AJPW Junior Championship. Two guys that I have not seen before, I think ever. So both new to me. Uh, this match was uh, pretty fast-paced, especially kind of early on. Um, I thought Yusuke Okada seemed to seemed to have a, kind of a fired-up attitude. Um, it's just hard-hitting, but I got to admit, I, I, I thought it was solid, but I struggled to get into it. And I'll tell you the reason. These two guys seemed like the exact same guy. Um, I, I had a hard time really differentiating them very much. I didn't feel like they established... Uh, I, I couldn't really find a reason to invest in either one. Like, the moves are really good, but I don't know. It had my ADD acting up a lot, and my attention was kind of drifting away just because I really like to be able to invest. I like to see, you know, a little bit of character. And uh, like I said, I guess I set myself up because that's not really necessarily the style in a promotion like this. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It was a, a solid match, but I struggled with it a little bit myself. See, um... I'm I, I, I'm kind of the same way in you in terms of having struggled with this match, but not on being able to like differentiate and stay invested in this match because at least the wrestlers because Koji Uemoto stood out so incredibly cool to me in this match. He hit a couple of like at one point I think in the middle of this match he hits a lariat and to me that was when I actually like paid attention or started to really pay attention to this match. He just obliterates. Okada at one point with like a left arm lariat. I was like, oh crap, I gotta start uh, watching this a little bit more. Iwamoto to me came off as a little bit cooler. He, had a, he seems to have some sort of like a <sighs> judo throw takedown that he did a couple of times in yeah, this he match. He finished the match with that, and I thought that was cool. It was unique. It was kind of like a, a headlock takeover, but like super fast and impactful. So mm-hmm. I did like that. I take your point. He also had a. Uh, some people do like that kind of hip toss style, like pop up into moves. And he did one into a lariat where he lifted the guy up. And then like, as they were coming down, just destroyed him with another lariat. And that was also like, I had never seen that before. So that really got me uh, in general. I thought he had sort of the cooler general vibe and attitude about him. Cause Yusuke Okada did nada for me. Mm. Absolutely nothing. He came off as just dude in this match like yeah i was fired up but i've seen a hundred fired up baby faces trying to do you know hard work in a match that that doesn't really do a whole lot for me if that's the only thing i can really say about you and that's all i could really say about yusuke okada and i've i've heard some 
Uh, I don't hear about him a whole lot, but I have heard some uh, slightly decent things about Yusuke Okada. Um, and this was just, I don't think, the match that demonstrated that for me. Koji Iwamoto, on the other hand, I thought was definitely someone I want to check out more of in the future. He did a couple of cool things that I hadn't really seen other guys do too much. He, in general, like stood out to me. So Koji Iwamoto, definitely cool in my book. Yusuke Okada... Uh, not so much. So yeah, this was this was an all right match. One side was like in my like I said, one side was really cool in Koji Uemoto, and the other side uh, was there in Yusuke Okada. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Cool, cool. I can see that take. Um, yeah, uh, Uemoto definitely does get that win, as I mentioned, uh, with that uh, kind of headlock takeover thing. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was solid as far as it went. Um, maybe now uh, I'm going to assume. Assume this next match, this tag team match that we're going to talk about, was one of your other choices. Yes, this was not a match something. that was uh, recommended on the, the, the places that I go to, or at least not specifically recommended. But I looked at the makeup, and I'm like, I would really like to see that match. And sometimes that's the best thing that you can get in a uh, a, uh, a wrestling promotion. The match is uh, Shuji Ishikawa and Suwama, the Violent Giants taking on Joe Doring and Dylan James. And I forget what their team's called, but... Uh, I think it was called... The was Bomber, the I Bomber, think it was. I believe, yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't want to say it wrong, but I believe it is called The Bomber, so... Uh, not The Bombers. Nope. Not Bombers, just The Bomber. Yep. Just them. The Bomber, the bomber. singular, <laughs> for whatever reason. But yeah, this this is what I'm talking about. This this is a Haas battle where Shuji Ujikawa and Suwama are exactly what they say they are. They are violent giants, and I love them, and I love their mean attitude and their scarred bodies. I love Joe Doring, even if he is a Stan Hansen cosplayer. He does a good job with it, damn it. Dylan James is all right. He's probably what I felt the least strongly about, but he did fine in this. Yeah, everything about Doring and Ishikawa just smashing into each other was beautiful to me, so... I like this match a lot. I thought this was a pretty great match. Uh, I'm really glad that we ended up watching this one. I did not feel nearly as strongly about this match, <laughs> uh, mostly because I thought there was, at, at least from what I was watching, there was a, a slightly painful lack of Suji Ishikawa in this match. I love Suji, and the sequences he had towards the end, especially when he ended up picking up the win for this match, ruled like i love him he was really good here um and i just i I don't know if i wasn't paying attention the way i should have been but it it felt like he was not as huge in this match as he could have been suama was also here i don't know how i feel about suama in general he's he's all right i don't hate him um joe doring really cool like you said he's kind of a uh a, a, a cosplayer of sorts, but he does uh, pretty solid in his his role and does a good job at it. At one point, um, what did he say? I think he was yelling to Suama to do a uh, Greco-Roman knuckle lock, and he said, "Let's like show our power, motherfucker!" Just really loudly, <laughs> and the, the crowd popped for it. That was that was fun. Um, Dylan James certainly uh, takes up space in the ring, um, and he has, I think, a pretty terrible look. His hair is. Not good. Um, Not a fan. Not a fan. I think he's all right. He he did all right in this match. I I don't know. There was just something about this match where I felt like they could have been going a little bit more intensely sometimes. There were some times where 
They'd be throwing kicks through the lariats, and they just did not look super impactful to me, which was so strange because there were times in this match where everybody did look very impactful and dangerous and violent, you know, as the violent giants, all four of them really are, not just the uh, Suama Shuji tag team, but all four of them, really some violence giants in this match. But I don't know, it just never really reached that level for me, and I would have enjoyed a lot more uh, Shuji Ishikawa being on offense throughout this match. Because when he was, like I said, towards the end, when he ends up picking up the victory for his team, I was all about that. That was good, but uh, in general, not nearly as high on this match as, as you were. Well, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I had a lot of fun with it, so uh, maybe seek it out. Decide for yourself. Uh, the Violent Giants get the win here, which is cool. I'm all about that. And, uh, yeah, I, I would always watch more Violent Giants matches because I like Suwama. Not as much as Ishikawa, but I like Ishikawa a hell of a lot, so that's a high bar to jump over. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Uh, next match, as you can definitely guess, is another one that I picked for myself. It is Tajiri. My man, one of my all-time favorites, Tajiri, still rocking strong over in all Japan, facing Minoru Fujita, who I believe we have not ever seen before, fighting for something called the Gera TV Championship, which is a title I did not know existed. But yeah, this match and the next two, all from uh, the January 3rd show, the very next day, New Year Wars Day 2. Um, and yeah, I don't know, maybe it's just my Tajiri fandom, but I like this match a fair bit. Uh, Minoru Fujita is a weird guy. He came to the ring with a burlap sack over his head, and he kept it, like, on the ring post and kind of messing with it at times. But I thought he was fun. He definitely stood out visually more than some of the guys we met on this set. Uh, had some solid wrestling. Tajiri. Apparently, not- uh, mm-hmm. just, just really quickly, he had a shirt on that was like a purple lucha mask that said, Fashion Underground on it. Yes, a very clear um, take on uh, Lucha Underground and its design. I, I didn't know if that was supposed now. to be a, a stable, a wrestling brand. I don't know what it was, but that definitely uh, added to the standout factor for me on top of his uh, the burlap sack and the like, long purple mm. like glove thing that he wore on his arm that Tajiri at one point messed with. So, for sure. Yeah. You know, they, they, maybe it just says something about me as a fan, but uh, Minoru Fujita is probably not as good a wrestler as uh, Koji Iwamoto or Yusuke Okada, but man, I feel like I'll remember him more, just because he just stood out a lot more visually, and like with the stuff he did, I felt like, uh, you know, uh, maybe, I don't know what his character was exactly, it was just kind of weird, but it stood out in a good, weird way to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just also really want to quickly say, I think that's part of the point of professional wrestling, though, is you have to do more than just be a good in-ring wrestler there are some guys who can actually no you know what there hasn't ever really been just a just literally just straight i am a good wrestler dude because everybody in order to hit you with dean malenko right now but even he had like the iceman gimmick he had something i think they just kind of slapped that name on him because they noticed that he never had the motion but yeah i take your point like they made it work like you have to have something to you other than just uh for the most part I exist and I do the good wrestling. Like you have to have some sort of attitude. You have to have some sort of even just mild character quirk to sort of bind everything together. And um, yeah, just like people who have characters can make up for their lack of, you know, outward in ring talent. Not that they're necessarily, not that they're necessarily 
bad wrestlers or dangerous wrestlers or just boring wrestlers, but you can make up for a lot by filling in that space with character work, Absolutely. with interesting um, outfits and looks and all that sort of stuff that sort of sell you a little bit more. It's harder to do that, I think, when you're just like a dude who wrestles and don't really have a whole lot else going for you outside of maybe I am fiery baby face number 10,001. Like, <laughs> right, right. That, that was definitely uh, something I think on display here with Fujita, who I don't know how he necessarily is as a professional wrestler. I liked him in this match. Yeah, I, I don't know good. where he, uh, where he stands on the pantheon of professional wrestlers, but he stood out. He had a weird outfit. He had a burlap sack. He wore to his head and walked out to the ring. <laughs> with and he used it in the match at one point and that's what i'm going to remember and i'm going to be like hey you know sometime in the future i'm gonna be like oh hey that guy was really weird in this match but in a good way he made it work i'm gonna go out of my way to maybe watch another match that he's involved in whereas say yusuke okada at least for right now i'm gonna be eh watched him once he he did his thing it wasn't super great i was more impressed by his opponent maybe i'll i'll skip this match unless it comes super highly recommended mm-hmm. you know, i might kind of like as Ms. van said he just saw some uh people on the show and he was like these matches didn't come highly recommended to me but i'm gonna check them out anyway mm-hmm. you know that that's kind of the thing that works when you make that sort of connection and stand out in some sort of way um with something the way uh fujita did here in this match yeah absolutely um I agree with all of that very strongly. Uh, I, I really did like this match overall. It's not going to be on my match of the year or anything, but, man, Jerry for being, like, 48 or something, whatever he is, man, he's still got those great kicks. He's still got great presence. He's still in very good shape. Uh, and perhaps best of all, the finish was a, a green mist spot and a pretty clever one, I thought, at that. So I, I just had fun with this match. I thought it was a good time, kind of stood out from some of these matches which maybe took themselves a little too seriously. Indeed. This was a, a lot of fun. This was two kind of weird dudes wrestling around. I like Tajiri, but he's always just kind of had this this very cool but just slightly off-kilter vibe yep. about him. But he's still he's still got some of the best kicks, I think. He threw a, like a thrust kick early, uh, in this match that looked just as good as anybody else's. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, he, was, he was doing a lot of like like chain wrestling and mat wrestling early in this match. And I was not bored at all. I was genuinely like captivated watching these two, like try to find holds for each other to get into and escape out of. Like I said, I think at one point Tajiri started messing with the big like armband slash glove Fujita had on. Um, so that was just, you know, a small thing, but a very interesting thing. I thought in general, yeah, just a really good match, very different match. And in the end, Tajiri used the mist and, one, so that's always going to be good. So yeah, I had a heck of a time enjoying this little match here between uh, Tajiri and Fujita. Mm-hmm, very much so. Uh, all right, then we move on uh, to the next match, which is another tag team match. It is uh, a lot of guys we haven't seen before. I think at least three of the four. It is uh, Naoa Nomura and Yuma Aoyagi. And again, I apologize very much if I mispronounce. All of these names, which I may be doing. I'm sorry about that. Uh, they're taking on the team of Takeo Omori and Black Menso Ray for the uh, All-Asia Tag Team Championships. Uh, I thought this match was okay. Um, Menso Ray 
He's probably the guy who stood out to me the most here. He's another guy who kind of had like a really unique look. Yeah, he, he was a masked wrestler and he did a lot of motions that I don't know if it was supposed to be like. It reminded me of Ophidian kind of like the motions he was making. Uh, I don't know if he's supposed to be like snake themed or like themed in some other. I, I don't even know. He's definitely a guy who was memorable to me. Uh, Nomura and Aoyagi were sort of kind of generic looking guys to me. I thought they did some good stuff, but I don't know if I really remember either one of them real well. Probably Nomura stick out a little more. Uh, Amori is, I think, the only guy we've seen before. He's kind of an older wrestler. Like they got a few of those over there. Uh, he did all right. Um, I don't know. Just something about this match didn't really click that well with me. Like, really early on, they're doing, like, apron pile drivers and stuff. And I don't know. I'm really burnt out kind of on these really dangerous yet, like, pretty meaningless spots. There's a lot of stuff where, like, oh, I'm going to stand here and wait for you to punch me. And then I will punch you back. And we will see who has the greatest fighting spirit between us. And it's just, like, like the whole match was kind of that. So, yeah, I liked Menso Ray. Not really anyone else that much. Um, I don't know. It was okay. What did you think of this? I actually thought this match got better as it went on. Early on, I was not very uh, invested pretty much at all. Minso Ray was there, and he did have indeed a very weird, like, serpent-esque character. But for me, for whatever reason, it wasn't really clicking. It was just kind of like... It felt like a guy who was trying to work a gimmick as opposed to just simply, like, the gimmick itself. I don't know how to quite describe it, but he felt like he was kind of trying a bit hard with this. Um, and in general, like you said, they were doing apron pile drivers early on in this match. And it was, I don't know, I wasn't quite feeling it early on. But but as the action uh, continued and seemed to escalate towards the end, I was finding myself into it. I really liked the uh, Nomura and Aoyagi tag team uh, together, I thought they were doing some pretty impressive-looking stuff. Um, I think Nomura was the guy I liked a little bit more. Aoyagi, yeah. I think, had the cooler look, but Nomura was putting in like the heavy like in-ring work, For I sure. thought, looking pretty good. Um, Takeo Amori, um, he was there. I thought he did uh, pretty <laughs> all right. He wasn't like terrible. He had some kind of old man, like nasty old man vibes, you know, but not quite to the level of... Uh, some of the dudes I put in the upper echelon for that, including Don Fuji and Masaki oh. Mochizuki, wasn't quite there. Uh, certainly not quite there, but um, he was doing his thing. Um, in the end, the uh, Nomura Aoyagi team picks up the win, and by the end of this match, I was I was feeling it. wasn't not not going to be like one of my favorites of all time or anything, but but I was into this match by the time it ended. So that was uh, this was all right. This was I I enjoyed this. Uh, for what it was. Didn't love yeah. it, but enjoyed it. Yeah, it was okay. I don't know. Was, this is not the kind of match I would recommend to other people, so it's just another cognitive dissonance moment where I don't like the same things in wrestling as uh, kind of like what is, you know... Uh, Popular and hopping and yeah, well, described what, everywhere as being like, you know, something <laughs> you have to watch. And on and that note, it. let's segue into this next match, because it's a very good segue, I think. The next segue match into is, the next two matches, because I think it's the same thing for both of them. I, I felt differently about the last match than, than it sounds like you probably did. But, um, yeah, Kento Miyahara versus Kai is the next match. It's the main event of this uh, January 3rd card. It's for the Triple Crown Championship. And it's kind of exactly what you would expect from sort of a, a generic... I wouldn't say generic, but just like with Pro Racing Main Event, it's really long, first and foremost. It's about half an hour long at minimum. Um, you get uh, 
Kento, uh, Kento's story of this is like he, he, he hits his knee on the ring post early on, and Kai starts working it over. That's supposed to be the point of the match. But I don't know. Like, it really bothered me that Kento, like, his knee is supposed to be hurt, and they spent a lot of time working it over. But, man, like, if he doesn't feel like selling it, that just really just goes right out the window, and he doesn't he doesn't care about it at all. There's a lot of just, like, lying around and selling that we're tired of this match, a lot of killing time just to kind of inflate, uh, you know, how long it would be. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't really care for this. This is like a, a four and three quarters Meltzer-approved match, and, you know, a lot of people love this match. So, yeah, so, so much power to you if you like it. But I'm going to read a note that I wrote while I was watching this match. I don't necessarily feel that way now, but this is a note from me in the past to Jeff uh, right now. Uh, it uh-huh. says, it's hard to concentrate on this match. Please stop me from booking more Puro sets. It's the worst style there is. So that's just <laughs> that was my honest thought in the past while watching this match. These are matches that I recognize in my mind. Like, I can see the good things about them. But they bore me, honestly, in this match in particular. Honestly, I thought this was one of the weakest matches we've watched all year. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just way too long for me. Uh, selling, which meant nothing. Um, the end of this match is Kento doing, like, a bridging German suplex pin, putting all this weight on his knee that was supposedly was, like, destroyed this whole match, and it just it all meant nothing. So, I don't know. It's just not... If it's not Dragon Gate... Just stop me, maybe, from booking more sets with, with male <laughs> promotions from Japan, because it's just not working for me. As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of color? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. I thought Kai in this match looked pretty solid throughout. Kinto Miyahara comes very highly rated. Everywhere I see him talked about on Twitter and things, people love the dude. He's like the ace of all Japan, and everybody thinks he's really fitting for this role, and he's really awesome, and he's really good, and all this stuff. I have watched several Kinto Miyahara matches, but not nearly as many as, you know, many of the people who are fans of Kinto Miyahara. Um, so I may not quite have the right understanding of him, but. I've watched several Miyahara matches now, and this dude is not for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. He's just, he's not, he doesn't do it for me. He does not. I've tried. He's got, a, he's got a really good knee strike. Like, technically, I think he's a really good wrestler, you know, in terms of the way he executes moves, the way he does moves. Like, it's all fine. It's all great. It's all crisp. Looks like he's really solid on that front. But this is also a guy who I think is just the sort of embodiment of the things that I dislike about the Japanese style of professional wrestling. Just just in general, this match and the next match, I did think this, the following match uh, overall had a little bit of a better structure because they didn't have the no-selling-the-knee-work issue in the next match, which we'll get to when we get there. Because um, this match, once again, Kinto Miyahara goes for his blackout knee strike against the corner, 
rams his knee into the uh, turnbuckle, uh, turnbuckle post, um, and spends a lot of this match getting it worked over, um, you know, getting it dragon screwed, getting it slammed into the apron, you know, constantly getting it worked over and countered and all this sort of stuff. And I thought Kai was doing a really, really good job in this match, trying to make everything work, you know, focusing on that knee, uh, hitting a lot of big shots. He hits a couple of nice super kicks in this match, but it essentially did not matter because Kento Miyahara would just continue to knee him, would continue to just do everything pretty much regularly. There were a few moments in this match where the knee work ever really came into any sort of factor at all and doesn't really matter because at the end of it, Kento Miyahara wins this match and it was overall, I thought, just a very underwhelming, uh, just just not particularly impressive performance. I know a lot of people like Kento Miyahara. I know a lot of people love Kento Miyahara. I am not one of those people. I don't think he sucks. I don't think he's terrible. Um, if, you know, there are matches that involve him, I'll probably watch them. Maybe not super uh, happily, but not necessarily begrudgingly. I'll just be like, all right, cool. It's time to watch a Kento Miyahara match. That's fine. But he's not my dude. He is not remotely my dude. I just I don't I don't see why everybody super is into him. I don't see what makes him really super different or unique or special in comparison to basically anybody else. He's a dude does pretty good knee strikes, does pretty good German suplexes, and that's about the most I could say for him as a wrestler. So, uh, yeah, this match happened. Kind of unfortunate that Kai put in what I thought was a really barn burner uh, effort here, only to get basically nothing in return back for it, I thought. So, yeah, definitely not my uh, favorite match at all on this set or on the show that we've seen this year. Uh. Yeah, I definitely like Kento Miyahara a lot more than you do, um, but I totally get what you mean. He's not exactly for me either, and I don't even put that so much on him, as I really just am not taken with this whole uh, style, you know, that kind of goes across a lot of these top Japanese promotions, especially on the men's side. Um, so yeah, this this was not for me. Um, I didn't absolutely hate it, but I was bored by it, and it did apparently make me Ask Jeff to not do any more sets like this. Um, so I guess stop me, maybe, if we do this again. Or there are only four. There are only. I like them, so don't. I don't know. I don't know. There are only four Japanese promotions we're watching from now on. It's Dragon Gate, Stardom, <laughs> Sendai Girls, and Tokyo Joshi. That's all oh, okay. we're watching from now I was trying on. To think what the, yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe some other women's ones too. Man, Ice I watched and... an Oz match. Um, ironically, for. Uh, WCW The Legacy, or no, what the hell is that show called? No, All About All Elite. Um, I watched an Oz match because of Aja Kong being booked for uh, for AEW, and man, it was like the best match ever. It was just from last year. It was Aja Kong and Hikaru Shida. So yeah, I don't know. Like Every women's match, every women's uh, promotion from Japan is like awesome, and I'm just so bored by most of the men's stuff, so I don't know. It's just a weird, a weird thing that happens. Um, but yeah, anyway... Um, I did at least like this next match more. It sounds like you you disliked this one as well, but to me it was better. It's get to me how I take it on Suwama. Uh, again, for the Triple Crown Championship. This is from uh, February 24th. Excite Series Day 10. Um, my thought process in this, at least Suwama is the type who 
will lay uh, a really good beating on Kento before he inevitably makes that comeback. And I thought that was kind of bored out here because I, I didn't talk about that much. But I wasn't really impressed at all with Kai in the last match. You know, he did like a lot of work over the knee, but it was like, I don't know. I feel like Kento's kind of the guy you, you sort of almost have to like rough him up for real to get like a good sell out of him. And uh, nothing that Kai did really felt that impactful to me. Suwama, on the other hand, is like this surly, big, uh, dangerous lariat throwing dude. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, they they worked uh, almost a similar story, but just in a much better way in this match because Kento uh, was being like really aggressive, which I actually liked. He was like more aggressive than I think I've ever seen him. Like the ref was trying to like wave him off of Suwama at times. And he gets too aggressive and he ends up like smacking his neck into a barricade, which I thought looked pretty good. And then from there, the match, it just went a lot better for me. It wasn't the match I loved. I didn't think it was a great match, but I at least uh, enjoyed it. Um, it was much better selling from Kento. It was much better offense from Suwama. Uh, the comeback was very predictable. It is just like, it's very John Cena-ish. You know, I guess if you want to know his appeal, that's just kind of the vein he's in. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I like this match at least more than the Kai match. I did not. Okay, not that I, oh, I, I did enjoy it more than the Kai match okay. specifically because, like, as I said, there wasn't as much emphasis on selling the knee or working over the leg that, you know, would then get ignored. So that part at least did not factor in. And I genuinely thought Suwama did, I'd say, at least for me, just as good, if not a better job than Kai did in terms of, like, dealing with Kinto Miyahara. I thought both of those guys put in really solid performances. But, a sequence in this match right at the end that immediately like took me out and was like well I I know where this is going I can actually see it happening and sure enough it happened Um, trying to remember what the exact sequence was but Kai hit like uh, not Kai uh, Suama hit like three moves like one of them was a lariat that he pinned after him and kicked out at two and he got up and I think he hit a running lariat pinned him kicked out at two picked him up hit a Backdrop suplex, which looked really gnarly and really good. Pinned Kendo Miyahara. Got a two. And he's like, all right, got a powerbomb him now. Lifted him up. Like, you know, got him in position. You know, taunted for a little bit. And the moment he started lifting him up for the powerbomb, is like, I guarantee Kendo Miyahara is going to escape out of the back somehow. And then it's going to lead into Kendo Miyahara winning the match. Sure enough, that is exactly what happened. Kendo Miyahara got lifted up for the powerbomb, and he got lifted uh, last ride style. He slipped out of the back, started picking up some offense, did a blackout knee strike. Um, He did, uh, this is the one thing I did have positively for this match. He did do his, uh, I forget what the name he gives for it, but the sort of arm-trapped German suplex. He hits that move, and that's usually kind of the the end of the match. Suama actually kicks out at two, and that was the one time in this match where I actually had some pause of, oh, maybe this match isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. No, actually it does. He just hits it one more time with a little bit more struggle on this one to finally put Suama away. And it was just like, up oh, there it is. There's what I was expecting to happen, not in a positive way, not in a cool, like, you know, yeah, this is going to pay off a moment for me. Just say, yep, this guy's going to do his thing, and, you know, he took three huge moves, it seemed like. Oh, no, now I remember what it was. Like, a wheelbarrow German suplex was the first move. Mm. Then the lariat. Then the uh, backdrop suplex. 
And all three of them looked really good. All three of them looked, you know, nasty and gnarly and looked like they were roughing up Kento Miyahara. Kicked out of all three at two. And then just when it looked like Suama might be going to pick up the victory that he, I thought, deserved in this match, Kento Miyahara makes a comeback and beats him. And it was just like, yep, same old, same old. So I, I, I must admit that this match was at least mildly better overall than the Kai match. Um, I think both guys, Kai and Suwama, did a lot of work in making the matches as good as they could have been. Um, unfortunately, I am just really not a Kento Miyahara guy, and these two matches were, I think, the epitome of why I am not. So, <laughs> Well, fair enough. <laughs> Sounds like you won't need me to persuade you not to make more uh, sets like this. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, I guess we will see what happens in the future mm. with our sets. But, yeah, um, not the strongest set, but uh, still, overall, um, I'm glad we're checking this stuff out. We're seeing some fun mm. stuff. We're seeing stuff that doesn't work to us, and that that's just part of life sometimes. So deal with that's it. indeed how it goes, and uh, I will say the next time you do some of these sets, uh, more Shuji Ishikawa, please. More Shuji. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, all right. I think, though, that is everything we were going to talk about. Anything else that uh, you want to go over, my friend, before we uh, uh, just, call uh, the day here? Uh, no, not actually. Uh, we do have uh, it's uh, March now. We're reeling into uh, 16 karat gold coming up. Uh, next month is, of course, WrestleMania. And with that comes all the uh, WrestleMania weekend shows that they've going on, got going on. As I uh, uh, mentioned, they've already uh, announced, I think, a WrestleCon match between uh, David Starr and Susumu Yokusuka, which I am very much looking forward to. Uh, so we're probably going to get even more like cool match announcements uh, throughout the next weeks leading into uh, WrestleMania and WrestleMania weekend. So be on the lookout for that. Hopefully there's going to be a lot of really cool, interesting, fun, weird, wacky stuff uh going on that weekend yep absolutely there's gonna be a lot of stuff to watch out for so do stay tuned we're gonna bring it all to you thanks for listening if you want to shout us out we're on twitter i'm at spectral gent he is at big def energy that's b-i-g-d-e-f energy uh give us a shout give us a follow hope you check out the other great programs on lop radio as i mentioned doing uh, all about all elite with co-founder of this show shane aka mystic there on saturdays please do check that out also, and, uh, I, and I will uh, quickly say, yeah. um, if you're going to listen to this uh, most recent episode, I really uh, – I haven't quite listened to it yet, but Ms. Fan went through a lot of effort to get that show up uh, on the air. You oh have no idea. So please appreciate this man and listen to his show because it took hours for <laughs> this to uh, actually finally happen. So that's dedication. Go listen to All About All Elite. Yeah, fighting with Blog Talk. Yeah, thank you for uh, – for recognizing my efforts. Um, <laughs> Indeed. Oh, man. Um, but, yeah, check out all the other great programs on LOP Radio, um, King of Honor, The Doc Says Coming Back, which is great, uh, Perfect Time Wrestling, Right Side of the Pond, Sports Entertainment is Dead. Uh, if there's more, I forgot. So please check out those all. Also, LordsofPan.net and LOPForums.com for a lot of great written material. Uh, really great community there, so I hope you'll come join that conversation. That is everything and more, so thank you so much. We'll be back next week for more. Until then, we have been The Global Revolution. See ya!